Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day there and welcome to The Gong Show. I'm Steph Postuma. Every episode, I'm joined by chefs Andy Burns and Simon Evans to discuss all things food and hospitality. This episode, we're joined by Joel Bickford. Joel is the executive chef at Aria Restaurant. He's a Illawarra local out of Albion Park. And we chat a bit about his journey in food, some of his inspirations from the restaurants that he's worked at previously, what it's like heading up a big institution like Aria, and some of the differences in regional and metropolitan kitchens. We loved our chat with Joel, and we hope you do too, so let's get into it. Sweet, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name's Steph Postuma, and with us this week, Chef Andy Burns from Babyface Kitchen. Hey. Chef Simon Evans from Cavoe Restaurant. Hello. And we've got Joel Bickford from Aria. Morning. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, we're going to start with an acknowledgement of country. We'd like to acknowledge the Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land of the Illawarra and pay respect to elders past, present and future. Cool. Let's get started. Joel, do you want to just give us a bit of a background in, like, firstly, how did you get interested in food? Um, I was an interest in food. I just always sort of gravitated more towards the industry as a whole. Right. Um, I remember being being through school, you know, you do your work experience and, and that sort of thing. I did that at the Hilton, actually, uh, Hilton Hotel in Sydney, the old one. Yeah, right. So, Jazz up, it was pretty ordinary back then, but it was very <laughs> old school and very sort of steeped in tradition. So it was, um, that, and I wasn't just going there to see the food. I was, I spent there as more like a, you know, a week internship, if you yep. like. So they put me through everything from room service yeah, to right. kitchen to, you know, all, all the bits and bobs, lots of polishing cutlery and that sort of thing and get in the corner. But it wasn't even so much the food. I didn't get to see heaps of the food, but. It was more the buzz in the kitchen and just the feeling and you know, the, that sort of little sense of sort of community that you could see within mm-hmm. the industry. And um, yeah, from there, I just, I remember taking an after school job after that at a local Chinese restaurant, just washing dishes in, mm-hmm. in the mountains. So that's where I grew up in Springwood in the Blue Mountains. And, and I just loved it straight away. Like again, it wasn't, I wasn't really doing the food straight away. It was washing dishes, but just feeling that buzz Friday, Saturday night, I worked for $3 an hour. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, 
yeah, it was just it was just a good place to go. Like all my mates were going to parties and that on Friday, Saturday nights, but I was in the kitchen. <laughs> and eventually, they let me let me cook. Eventually, after about a year at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was only I think I was very young, maybe fourteen. Yeah, right. I think so. Um, and then I just sort of pursued. You know, I knew that I kind of wanted to be around that. Mm. Um, I didn't. I wasn't sure whether it was cooking or just in in the industry at that point, but. Um, yeah, that's kind of where it got yeah, started. So yeah. that's interesting because a lot of a lot of people who go into hospitality, it's just a job to get you by. Whether whether you're in school or uni or just a young person, you just need some cash, and there's always jobs available. Yeah. And it takes, I guess, there's something unique like about someone who feels that energy and that draw of hospitality from a young age and just sort of sticks with it. Like mm. it's it's probably not a very common thing. They're weirdos. Weirdos like you. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. I, I think it was a lot of curiosity too because like I didn't grow up in a very, like I was like your typical Australian meat and street. I had the same dinner every night for like 15 years. You know what I mean? Like my parents weren't like adventurous sort of cooks. And um, so to see like things like pasta was like exotic to me because we wouldn't even do we didn't yeah. eat pasta. Yeah. We had meat and three veg every night so it was kind of it was yeah it was, i was curious to see what what else was kind of out there so did you ever make a, a mongolian lamb for the folks or something like <laughs> no, that like I didn't have to. that was my that was my pay nine dollars a night <laughs> and a jennifer mongolian lamb yeah so, right true story. <laughs> story that's not bad i, I think they're still paying that at some places yeah. in Mongol. but not not <laughs> Not everyone has that like food origin story. Like you hear like, a lot of chefs is like, oh, like a Massimo story. He's like yeah. under the table eating tortellini. Yeah. That's when he decided he wanted to be a chef at three years old. It's like, <laughs> Crying like, over a yeah. yeah, yeah. Like not everyone has that like, oh, my, yeah, my, my mother would introduce me to it. And she used to cook these. Like for a lot of people, it's literally like, yeah, just, at home you ate just what yeah. everyone else ate. And then yeah. you like got into food or like the buzz of the kitchen. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah, like I didn't. Yeah, it's true. And I think. Yeah, I think it'd be fair to say some of those stories are manufactured. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, you know, just like everyone else as well. As, as well, yes, I took those job, that job, but it was financially driven as well. I was 14, 15. I wanted to put, get a car and take girls out and find Nike Airs. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. How would you go trading in the Mongolian <laughs> lamb for a pair of Nike Airs? But that's that's what I mean. It's just like, you know, it's just like everyone else. Yeah. It's just, you know... Um, but it just uh, happened that I actually liked that. Like, if I'd walked along the street looking for an after-school job and I got a job in a chemist, who knows I might have been a chemist. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I landed in a restaurant and it was just it just felt right. Mm. And, and I looked forward to going to work. And it makes was, it was there a certain like point in your career, like a certain restaurant or a chef that you might have been working under or something like that, where you you realise what sort of the like the finer dining side of things was you know and produce was high quality and and you know you, you got this feeling that there was something more to cooking and 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 that special nature when it, you get to the higher level yeah i would say there would be two places that did that for me and uh i would say working at belmondo um mm-hmm. under stefano manfredi in 2000 oh, wow. and mm. i'm the oldest man in the world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in 2000 so i took I was, I'd already been an executive chef at that point, but I was a young executive chef and I just said, this is wrong. Something's wrong here. I don't know. And I, how am I a 24-year-old exec chef? Yeah. Yep. I can't be teaching myself. 
So I literally just rang them up and said, what's what's doing? You know, is there anything anything going? So I went up there as a commie chef and um, just they knew my experience and within a couple of weeks I was the sous chef. But um, the produce that that we had available to us was just insane. Everything mm. he had. He was having Murray cod farmed, like specifically for him. We were using the Bendil farm ducks, and like so people weren't just doing this then. And he had, was getting the Illabo lambs in whole every day, which were breaking down. Um, Gundal farm pork, suckling pork rumps every day, and it was just, you know, I still have the menu at home. It was twenty years ago, and mm. so I still look at it and think that's nuts. Like yeah. it was back in the days when. You know, a bowl of soup cost $40 because everyone had money back then. Mm. Like in the top, you, know, you could still charge that much for those top end restaurants, but but it wasn't. Um, yeah, so, you know, there was certain levels of excess there, but it was still very northern Italian and, and produce driven. You know, we we're getting black and green lip abalone every day, like the best stuff you could get. And but it didn't, it didn't feel like it was a bank. Yeah, I don't know. It just it still felt very real, you know what I mean? Mm. And um, everything was treated with respect. And, and I hadn't really seen a lot of that stuff back then. I'd seen it, I guess, but I hadn't really worked with it day to day. So yeah, you wouldn't see a lot of that today either. No, that's, <laughs> like what, that's what I mean. Of, like, uh, well, I guess it's, yeah, like you know, I guess it kind of bit him in the bum a little bit at the end because you just you, you know restaurants just can't run at that sort of level. But. Um, well, they were kind of a bit of a victim of, you know, financial situation of the country at the time. Mm. Like, there's only so much room for that many type of restaurants at the mm. top. But yeah, that was definitely one. Like, that was a real turning point in my career, working with lots of you know, awesome chefs and amazing produce. It's quite and, a big, quite a step to go take an executive chef job and then mm. kind of just realizing the side that you don't know as much as you thought you might or. You yeah. should. That's what I was going to say. You don't, see, yeah. don't see people doing that these days. Mm. Yeah. You see people wanting a job that's probably not really where they yeah. should be when they're yeah. too young. <laughs> and it seems like, especially around here, like young chefs are getting offered head chef jobs yeah. all over the place. And it's like, it's almost always there. And I think um, and it's quite easy to want to take it, especially around here when there isn't a lot of, lot of places to grow. Mm. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, Something more people should do, I think. Maybe maybe take that job, make a bit of cash for a year, and then yeah. then reevaluate well, after yeah, that. Yeah, like you, you see people doing, like getting offered a head chef job when I would have been a fourth year apprentice. Mm, like, yeah, they finish their third year, and yeah. then all of a sudden they're like in charge of the kids. Like, really? Mm, yeah. <laughs> do you reckon that's more a regional restaurant thing? And like, I guess we'll talk a bit about re- like, do you think that that because it's just the staffing pool's just yeah, like, so much yeah. less, and yeah. regional restaurants are always going to be harder. Sorry. Yes, so you yeah you were talking about Belmondo, and then you said there was the second the second place that definitely say the other one was Biota. Yeah, like that just definitely changed the way I think about food, and um, I don't know it's just very much a different outlook on everything, and not a, um, it's the sort of place you go to, and it's it's more than just kind of you're, you're a chef there. It was very much a real sense of team and. You were just doing a lot of other different things, did a lot of travel, um, you know, got to see the world when I worked there with James and just going to different bits and bobs all around, you know, cooking for bloody princes or, yeah. or whatever. So it was, it was a crazy time, but it was also very sort of primal and sort of primitive as well. We did a lot of, like, you know, a lot of people sort of talk the talk of, of all of that 
hunting and gathering stuff. I'm not saying we're out there wrestling sort of crocodiles, but, you know, definitely hunting and gathering and all of that sort of stuff that is kind of just a cliche for some people. That was what, what we did. We did do a lot of that. We were sometimes in the forest twice a day and we always, everything was picked. Um, we never, never ordered like just little things like microbes and that. We were building polytunnels by hand and, you know, we'd have like 17 different garden beds and try and grow as much as we could, obviously. It's, it's near impossible to sustain a restaurant fully on, on that, but it's, it's not even about, it's not even a financial thing. It's more of about instilling something in your team that you've seen something that, mm. and just sort of generating that respect for what, what you're using, what you, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to throw something in the bin if you just want to grow for eight months. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes, that's so, right. Yeah. Did you, obviously, yeah, Biota's so connected to the landscape of the Southern Highlands where it is. Mm. Did you, did you learn a lot about, you know, wild produce and, and like how much closer did it bring you to sort of the idea of incorporating nature into cooking or was that something you already sort of had from previous experience? Uh, no, I think that definitely opened my eyes a bit more and I think it just, I just, he just taught me a lot of things about like just opening your eyes a bit more in the environment. Like now you walk along and on the street and you can just see so many more edible things that yeah. that normally you would just mull over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is kind of a weird thing when you start foraging and looking at stuff, you end up walking yeah, with like your head tilted to the side, yeah. just yeah. looking like, on the strip. You're like, yeah, even if no, just, I could walk up and down the street now and find half a dozen things that yeah. you could eat. And it might just be a little thing, I'm not saying yeah. you know, there's bunches of bananas out there, but <laughs> it's like it's definitely you don't realise how much stuff you can use, like um but I would say overall, it was just an, ex- an experience in general and just like a, it's hard to put into words, you know, it was just, it was just really good. It was, it was definitely the hardest kitchen I've ever worked in, but it was, I definitely probably took more away from those two or three years than uh, mm. I have from any other Wait, job. How long so ago was that? What year was it? I was there. 20, started 20, 2013 to... Oh, not too that long ago. Sorry? Not that long ago. No, it's about, yeah, about three. Well, I did three years at the gantry. I've been at ARIA for a year, so I finished mm. up there four years ago. So I was there for just under three years, I think. So mm. it was um, really good, really good. Place. Yeah, cool. It's, it sounds like I've talked to a lot of chefs that have been through the kitchen at Biota and, yeah, as you say, it's that same story of it's more than just being a chef. Yeah. You get to do a lot of stuff that's not just cooking food, yeah. which is... Which is really cool. It must be a great experience. That's no, good. It's just very interactive. You got, you know, just building things like being being involved in actually like whether it was just like being on the land and it was like you're out in the country. I know it is in the country mm. somewhat, but <laughs> you know, it's taking things from scratch and, and coming out with a result was was really good. Um, mm. Being involved with the customers more, a lot of a lot of interaction with the customers mm. and. Um, the, the demographic and the clientele was, was quite mixed there. A bit of bit of local, but probably a bit more going through. So a lot of people on the way from Sydney, a lot of international in Sydney to Canberra mm. sort of uh, traffic. So um, yeah. it was quite interesting yeah, aspect cool. as well. It's pretty busy, busy all year round up in some parts, isn't it? Because in the winter's pretty like a lot of uh, tourism. Well, winter. Well, it was good. 
we put on some rooms when I was there too. So mm. there was 13 rooms added while I was there, which obviously added to a stay and dine sort of capacity and made it more destination dining mm. rather than just a restaurant that you could go to if you happen to be in that place at that time. Mm. You could actually plan to go there and make it, make it a bit more of a trip or an event and incorporate that into it. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of changed the, the landscape a little bit there mm. too. But um, Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll come back to probably Biota a little bit because we'll talk about the differences between, uh, yeah, the, like what you can do in a regional restaurant, um, which is obviously where we are as well, and what, and, and what you can do in a city re- city restaurant. And, yeah, like sort of weighing up some of those positives and negatives of both. But let's talk about Aria. Um, you are about to tell us before how, how you got started. You want to just tell us how, you know, how you got started there? Did Matt just give you a call one day or how did it work? Uh, yeah. Pretty much. Um, well, I knew Ben Turner for a number of years. Uh, he was the head chef there at the time, but he was moving into a different role as the company was expanding. So, And they were just about to close down for their renovation. I'm not sure what year that was. It was a good three years ago now, I suppose. Um, and, and I knew Matt as well, obviously. And... Yeah, he just, um, through Ben and himself, he just approached me about possibly coming over after the renovation and heading it up then. And um, we just kind of you know, had a few back and forths and whatnot. And um, it was kind of more of a, just a case of getting on the same page, I think. At that point in time, I'd just taken the job at the gantry and we'd just been scored by Terry and we had won our hat. Mm. So I was very new there because we got... We got it very early on, I think the first six, seven weeks. Mm. So um, just because of the time of the year that I started. Um, so I, I still met with uh, Matt and Ben and we just kind of decided that the timing wasn't really right. Um, you know, Matt wasn't quite sure whether that was, you know, he was ready to let go of his food at the time. And I said, well, I'm not, I kind of, felt like I had a bit of unfinished business at the gantry. Mm. So we just kind of shook hands and said, let's just put it on ice for a bit. Mm. And we know we spoke about a couple of other bits and pieces that possibilities of working together in the future. And then two years later, the phone rang again and um, that was it really. It was just, he was kind of in a, in a place where he wanted to be um, in relation to I guess his in involvement on a day-to-day basis with the restaurant, and so meaning that it was going to be my food, mm-hmm. um, and that was very important to me because I had already was already at that point in my career. Mm. Like um, I was not interested in doing somebody else's food, so uh, yeah, he was very comfortable with my my food. Obviously, that's why he approached me. He probably could have approached any number of people all over the world. So <laughs> it was very flattering. Um, he wasn't, you know, spot for choice. So, I mean, he was spot for choice, sorry. Yeah, so I went over there and um, we just kind of went through the process again, but I just kept chatting and talking about what, what direction we wanted to head and how we still wanted to, to keep the, the brand of Aria, you know, very much intact, like it's been 20 years. It was one of the premier restaurants in the country. 20 years old. 20 years this year. Wow. Yeah. In December, I think. So it's impressive. <laughs> it's, um, there's, you know, I mean, 
Restaurants that cook that sort of food, most of them would be lucky to last 20 months. You mm. know, the fatality rate is, oh, I've got to tell you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. why, why do you say that, though? Like, a restaurant that cooks that kind of food, what would you think that that's attributed to, that, that high failure rate? Well, the margins aren't huge. Mm, yeah, right. At that end, you know what I mean? Like, so it's got to be a volume place. Well, it has to be a volume, location... It's it's a you know it's a bit of a stars aligning sort of thing. You yeah. Know, okay. Matt already had a profile because he had his previous restaurant in I'm not sure where it was Paddington or something, but um, so he already had a bit of a profile. He teamed up with you know a really good partner in Peter Sullivan. The location was insane and still is arguably one of the best locations in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and you're, you're so, a kind of small had restaurant. Still has a kind of shelf life of a couple of years, mm. and you see, you see people open it for five years and then closing it because it's it's too much. So when you've got mm. that many chefs and that much that many staff and, and working at that level, that's mm. that's pretty tough to maintain for twenty years. I think it's just like they just had a lot of good people come. Like I said, there's a lot of stars aligned. You look mm. at the people that have gone through that kitchen. Mm. It's it's crazy. It's you know guys are now that are Jake's head chef at Burn Ends and. You know, Matt Abe is now the head chef of the restaurant, Gordon yeah. Ramsay. And, you know, it's like, these are real people. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's plenty more. Um, so, you know, it was just, I guess it was kind of right time, right place, Matt. Yep. You know, but you make your own luck. And, you know, Matt is a very savvy operator. Yep. You know, so, um, you know, I guess the restaurant landscape was a bit different back then. The whole dining scene was quite different. There was a few big, big players back then, but mm. um, you know Matt was definitely one of them, and I think everything just kind of fell into place, not without a lot of hard work. Like, like I said, they were able to retain a lot of high quality and high caliber staff. Some of them are still there now. Mm. Like the the lady that opened the door for the first customer is still there. Wow, um, amazing! <laughs> yeah, so, you don't see that much, especially in Australia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even now you look at you look at the caliber of staff we have, like front of house and back of house, but like it's pretty it's pretty high. Like, yeah. How big's the um? How big's the team? Um, we're running about twenty seven in the kitchen, and um, the floor. Oh, I don't know. I think there's about six or seven just sommeliers. So, um, <laughs> there's four man- how many? How many four seats? Managers. I think it's. In one sitting, can like about one sixty. Yeah, there's three dining rooms. Yeah, so um, mayhem. It's a big operation. Was there? It's all, it's we was you there know, any um like we was the prospect of moving to a place like Aria with such a like a rich and illustrious history, um and you know a legacy to kind of live up to and to continue. Was that intimidating before you went over? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I was shitting myself. Yeah. <laughs> I still do daily. Yeah, like, right. Still, yeah. Like, it's, it's obviously, you, you know, you, yeah, fear of failure was massive. Like, talking to my, you know, my peers, and I was just like, you know, I know lots of, but lots of chef mates, and I'm just like, I don't know how I can do this. <laughs> I know I can come up with the foods, the easy bit. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Coming up with the dishes, but. Yeah, I mean, I, like, you know, so. like running a team that big would be like 
my worry if I went to some you know, massive restaurant and be like, how, how the fuck are you supposed to control yeah. 27 chefs? Did you have to teach yourself how to do that or did you get some help with like... Yeah. Nice to that. <laughs> <laughs> He's still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yes. Saturday night would be testament to that. Um, yeah, no, I, I guess it's a combination of things. Like I'm not, I don't consider myself a great man manager. That's not never been my strength. I've always mm. just kind of been more of a grafter. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not just trying to be humble. I don't really consider myself a great teacher. I've always kind of been a bit more of a lead from the front sort of person. Mm. But um, yeah, I think so. I think I've I've learnt quite a lot in the last year. Um, it is it's a big job though, like and a very intimidating. And like I said, to go there knowing that you know you're going to be definitely going to be reviewed in yes. six weeks. Yes, <laughs> and and there's a lot of expectation, like they. You know, they they invested in me to come over, mm. and like it's a. The bottom line is, it's like whether you're in a football team or an investment firm, like it's a results driven business. Mm. So I was like, okay, if I don't make yeah the grade, it, like short term, then you know, questions are going to be asked. I would, and I would expect that. Mm. But it's good; it pushes yourself. So I just basically locked myself in the bottom kitchen for a month and just said to the staff I'll, I'll introduce myself later mm. um, we can you know, <laughs> yeah, right. there's plenty of time for, for nice it is later I need to go and sort this out mm. so I just pretty much stayed downstairs and worked on the menu and did all my trials and because I had to reboot the whole thing obviously it wasn't just coming in and tweaking a couple of dishes yes but, of course yeah. was, it needed to be mine so we, re- we reviewed on your dishes last year yeah. or yeah right the so whole menu you got them in time everything yeah, yeah. and it was well, your first menu at aria that you were reviewed yeah. on yeah wow yeah. <laughs> okay. and looking back i just think what was that like <laughs> <laughs> you know so but you know we did really well we got you know we went up in, in every sort of uh delicious australian yeah Grameo, good food god we went up in everyone so yeah it's awesome after yeah. 17 so that was you know and i'm not Yes, I worked as a head chef at Biota for a two-hat restaurant, but and um, but to win them yourself, you know, mm. what I mean, is, is another thing, and that's, totally. And I'd never done that before, mm. so that was certainly certainly an achievement. What does it feel? What does it feel like? Like. When when you when you know what um <laughs> I'm not going to get sacked for that yeah <laughs> relief but what like is it because I mean. Yeah, that level of expectation, responsibility, and the fact that it's like you're, you know, you're the person that's out front of all of it, and you know that that review's coming out the following day. Is it like a sleepless night the day before sort of thing? Is it that intense? Um, yeah, I guess so. I knew that it was going to be, I knew it was coming out because yeah. obviously I'll, I knew that they were in, so you know there's always going to be a couple There is an advantage of that, is that you know it's going to be some of the big dogs yeah. reviewing you. You can yeah, them. that's right. I mean, I guess, you know, the, just the, what the place is, I was going to get, it was going to be, you knew it was going to be someone out of that top four, mm. the big guns, which was good. Um, so, but they were fair. They gave me that little settling in, in period, which I think is important. Like, Oh, definitely. Um, it's, it's in their best interest as well, like to come and yeah. let you do your thing for it. I mean, let the staff become familiar with like what you're cooking, and 
Yeah, it's, like in, no one's, it's, no one's, it's in no one's interest to see a restaurant in yeah, our industry go under or, yeah. or to fail. So. We're coming in night two. They, like, they, they do get in early sometimes at some restaurants. Yeah. You're like, four. Mm. In terms of the food, when you first sort of sat down with Matt to talk about it and you're talking about how it is your food, was there a conversation about, like, was it basically just sort of you you know what Aria is and, and go do your thing? Or is there like a sort of a conversation about how do you continue your food but like under the Aria brand sort of thing and um, and how much influence does sort of Matt have when it comes to those sorts of things? Um, well, to answer your first question, I think it, was, it wasn't so much a case of me having to adjust to Aria. Like he chose me because yep. he likes my food and he thinks my food suits Aria. Mm-hmm. So to... You know, if he went and picked, I don't know, someone else that has more of a bit, little bit, you know, does really nice food, but maybe has a, like a little Asian twang to it, or or whatever he doesn't see as, as Aria or Matt Moran. Can't say bunny or something. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, an inverted commas. Um, you know what I mean? It's. Um, I think it was just more more a case of him being comfortable with the person he chose. Right. It didn't matter whether it was me or not. I guess, but I'm. You know. He is. He was important for him. It's like, you know, I can't speak for Matt, but I can only assume that he was looking for someone that he thought that that person's food sort of embodied his style and his philosophies. And obviously, I've worked in very produce-driven places, which is very important to Matt. And still, um, maybe just can just put a little bit of polish on things mm. or. Um, do whatever he saw needed doing to the, the current sort of status of the restaurant at that yeah, time. Right. So, but he came and ate at the gantry. Ben came and ate, and like they they did their homework. They're not, yeah, yeah. you know, they didn't just <laughs> throw it in sort of yeah. you know, caution to the wind. They, yeah, um, who do you know? Give him a call. No, actually, and you know, like I said, um, he spoke. To, I know that he did speak to other people. And he's been very like it wasn't just um, me. So it was a very measured sort of. Decision, and um, you know, I'm very, very flattered to yeah. have been chosen. It's 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 quite a cool thing. Perhaps it's a bit different now than it used to be. But and I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. But perhaps restaurants used to have a brand where it's like this is what we are and this is the food that we do, and whatever new chef would come in to head it up has to adapt more to the restaurant. And now you you might see a bit more. Of this, these high-level restaurants and Mamafuku Siebo is an example of it as well, where it's just the, the trust is put in yeah. into that chef, and it, they're allowed to tell their story because perhaps the management has like realizes that when people's on a people are honest with themselves and what they want to do, they invest more in it and put more in, like put as much just possible it, into it. It just makes sense. It does. Like it's it's like to be honest, like there's so much structure in place that. At a place the size of Aria, like if he just wanted to do Matt's food or Ben's food or Simon, you know, previous head chef's food, then it <clears throat> it they don't need to have anyone with a creative input. They could have just kept going on that same trajectory, and which was fine. And they were kicking heaps of goals and stuff then as well. So you know they really challenged themselves as a business and said, "We wanted this is what we want to do. We want to keep pushing forward." and you know, anyone can just remain stagnant and they said, yeah, we're kind of, we're at the top. Let's just, you know, let's just 
not to use Marquez sort of terms, but play a defensive sort of role mm. rather than, than having the crack, you know mm. what I mean? So they were already up there. They could have easily just sat on their hands and said, you know, we're not going anywhere. We'll just hang out for another 20 years. And But they didn't. They're like, no, we want to push ourselves. We want to push ourselves on the floor. We want to push ourselves in all these different areas in the kitchen. And, and um, you know, that's that's what they did. I think it would be silly and... and um, it would just be counterproductive to, to get someone in to do that because mm. they could just leave in, in 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 hands of someone that had been there for that time, so the senior suitor or whoever it is, just to continue the way they were tracking. It's pretty keen to, to keep changing. I think that's the only way you can last 20 years yeah. is if you're always trying to progress and not staying stagnant. I think especially mm. in like the media nowadays, like obviously a lot of viewers wanted to come in pretty soon after you started and there's a lot of hype and it get a bit of media buzz and after sort of 20 years that's that's hard to get for a restaurant even yeah. for, for, for a restaurant it's, like yeah, it still is it's still something that we you know people have their views on a restaurant like Aria just like they do on well, whoever I mean, there's plenty of restaurants that have uh, you know, everyone, everyone has their own little um, what do you call it like people people's view on where, yeah, they, yeah. Where, they, where they sit, like they, yeah. you can kind of get pigeonholed a bit in this industry, like, mm. like many other industries. But yeah, we're still the French fine dining restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like to a lot of people, two, unfortunately. Yeah, two, two and a half years in. Yeah. yeah, so it's you know they took a risk, and and hopefully I can help them make it pay off. Yeah, and I think we, we're doing all right. But um, yeah, it's like, but it's my food. Matt is involved to a point, like. Um, I still run the menus by them, but they'll, you know, they'll really sort of try the that. dishes and, and give give me any feedback, but, you know, I don't have to make any uh, changes really or anything. They'll, they'll like to say, I think that really works or, you know, but Support, it's not in my not, interest. Yeah. That's the same as I do to all my chefs at work, all my, yeah. my senior team at work. We try the dishes. It's, it doesn't matter who is tasting and it's just as many educated palates mm. can taste it as possible. Mm. Like, that is really helpful, anyway. Conversation with Andy before mm. when he's sort of the, the main guy in the kitchen, it's hard to get that feedback and that bounce yeah. off. And like we're just lucky here with myself and Tom. Yeah, there's never a dish that doesn't go fucking scrutinised. Yeah, or needs more acidity. It's basically the call every fucking time. Yeah, it's just uh, got a dish on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's important. Like you know, as a chef, you put, you know, all chefs have kind of got egos, I suppose. And but until. No, it might be something simple as acidity or salt or whatever, or just need something a little a little twist to it. But sometimes you you are a bit blinded by it because usually, you know, you just think that you've always come up with maybe not the perfect dish every time. Yeah. But it seems so, perfect. So, to so you. true, hey. You're yeah. tasting, you're tasting, you're tasting, and then I'll give like my wife Jenna taste, mm. and she's like. Got, I was, you know, I'm an ex smoker like yeah. 10 years ago or whatever, but like Jen's like, no, nah, no, nah, it needs this. And we're everyone is different. Like, and trying to, you know, like my senior Sue is Japanese, and um, you know, he might just say, well, why don't you just put a little bit of white soy in it, or maybe just cut it with a bit of this or something, and you know, the tiniest little thing. And you know, everyone has um, something to add, and you know, it doesn't mean you're going to use it at the end, but. Well, sometimes it does. It changes yeah. it perfectly sometimes to add like that last little element, and bang, mm. it's, yeah, that's cool. what we're doing. <laughs> um, it being such a big operation and the necessity for you to manage a large group of people now, mm. do you spend less time in the kitchen than you'd prefer? 
um, sort of managing logistics yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I do. I do spend less time. Um, yeah. Which is not easy when you, you've you sort of based your whole career on being a grafter and you know, <laughs> that's how you sort of, you know, you get your kind of cred is by, you know, especially from an era that I'm 45 this year, so I've been cooking almost 30 years professionally. So, you know, the, also the kind of landscape of a chef 30 years ago to now, like, mm. yeah, it was just... That's you just did. Cook. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. That's kind of all you did. And it wasn't there wasn't really a focus on that on that sort of admin side of things until you were until you were the boss sort of thing. But I guess now um, that's changing a bit more, and, and things are filtering down through other staff members, which is a good thing because more people want to own businesses earlier now. So it's good to to have those skills. That was really a pipe dream back when I was young to have mm. that. That seemed like a lifetime away. But, mm. but I do um, spend more time. But I'm still on the tour. I do spend time in the in the office. But like my day, an average day for me is getting at whatever quarter past seven for um, till twelve o'clock. I do all the meat and fish butchery downstairs, and then I'll go upstairs. Um, so the four or five hours doing all the meat and fish butchery, which is quite a lot for a restaurant the size. Bloody of yeah. <laughs> and um, then go upstairs, call like call the pass for lunch, or work inside the pass. Just depends who's on, and um, come back down, and then I'll try and use that time as my office time, because by that time there's more staff in. Yep. And um, they're just working their sections, doing their bits and bobs. And so I use that kind of two thirty, three o'clock till five to you know, answer emails, chase up staff, work on ideas or just just chat to my senior staff. And then really by five o'clock it's all over, back upstairs, back on the on the line. Yeah, cool. So I'm still yeah, still yeah, quite hands good. on. Yeah, I think that like I don't know, maybe it's my ignorance, but sometimes there's like this conception or misconception sometimes where if you're running a massive venue you're more a logistics and, and, and people manager than a food manager kind of thing. Easily, like, I could easily never cook again. I'm not saying I would like to. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying I could easily make a full-time job out of not being in, like, sitting yeah. in my office. Yeah. I have four seniors around me that do the invoicing and rostering and time target and HACCP and it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the same stuff you do everywhere, but it's just on a bigger scale yeah. and on like a dinosaur when it comes to computers yeah, I, right. I just don't know how to do it so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to delegate it to the young guys perfect you get to be on the tour but, as well. um, look I don't mind some of it because you know I like to learn things and educate myself so it is you know a bit of a victory when I learn how to to do something yeah. um, send an email send an email yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you learn what a Found out what a podcast was last week. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure inviting me here for a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, guys, is there anything you you guys want to ask Joel at this point? Like any questions you've got? I I feel like I've just been asking all the questions. So you, know. you good at you so good at this guy. Yeah, really. <laughs> I just don't want to dominate. Um, all right. Well, I've got more questions. Um, <laughs> do you like do? You, Working at a place like Aria now, you, you've got the ability to work with, like basically the best produce in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you look for new produce? Like how do you find new stuff? Yeah, I think it's just 
it doesn't matter really where you work or anything. I think it's just being being in tune and having good relationships with your suppliers and and having you know they want to show you new stuff. Yep. So um, yeah, just kind of keep abreast of it that way. Yeah. See, so, you know, but obviously see what is is in the industry and like there's just so much access visually now through social media yeah, okay. to see what other products are out there. There's always something sort of coming your way or what other people are using or and um, and also the suppliers themselves are just getting more savvy using like platforms and that to to showcase those products. But mm. do you find it a bit harder? being in the city rather than regional. So with us, we kind of just start local and see what's there and then go a bit further. Mm. And having that kind of slightly less locality, being in the city, is that harder to find some kind of little, little smaller producers? Well, it, it, it's not harder to find them, I don't think. It's just harder to find ones that can service a restaurant the size of our Exactly, yeah, so right. cool to get those little whatever, Robertson potatoes or yeah. whatever it is, you know <laughs> what I mean? But if... It's one guy yeah, giving a yeah, field. Yeah, if I can... Yeah, we can only get two kilos of a week. Like that's that's the first hour of lunch service going on one day. Yeah. You know mm. what I mean? So it's <laughs> um, that's I find that's more of the challenge. You know, um, so it's it's more things for like specials or just little little tweaky things on the menu. That um, but everything we get is is really quality quality. But yeah, I guess these like little artisan sort of. Yeah, so that's probably something we've touched on a lot in this podcast before is the benefit of being a regional restaurant in terms of being able to have that direct contact. And I'm sure Biota is a good example of where, you know, Katrina from Redleaf would walk in with a pig over her shoulder and slap it on the pass, which is something that you don't get at a place like ours. That's what I mean. It was just like there's any number of like, there it was just, it really was like a chef's kind of wet dream. Like it was just you know you'd have the guy literally just come in and it was almost cliched like someone would just come in people that didn't even won't even they just give them to you yeah like even not even farmers a big like... thing of duck eggs or i've got these can you just use them up I've, I've kept six at home for whatever or you know we had joe working for us she's working for us she just um was like a a keen forager and you know and she'd come in with like fresh sort of loosened brilliant loose and flowers and stuff like this and just insane she would grow it she just did it out of interest for mm. herself at home mm. and it just became a bit of a thing where we'd just say you just come in and have have a feed or whatever mm. and and just keep so is that joe from quarter acre farm yeah that, yeah yeah and um obviously pakora dairy you know that we had a really uh strong relationship with them katrina and sam um the truffle farm, the and truffle. Yeah. Like it was just endless. Really. Yeah. So, and so now I guess it's like you've, you got, you've gone from that micro scale, mm-hmm. but now you, you kind of look at that macro scale where you've got the best produce available Australia wide, but yeah, you've got that challenge of having to pick stuff that can service your restaurant. Yeah. So we still do every, every now and then we we'll still get a pig every now and then from Katrina and Sam, but again, more for a special or, yeah. Maybe just to train the staff, show the guys, you know, how to break down whole carcasses, and um, you know, we are using some of Pakora's stuff, and we just use it like good. They're good for to use their product, but maybe on a smaller scale, and then but it's good to show like train the staff and mm. things, take them down to the farm, you know, what I mean, and just get them a bit more engaged with their product because you know when you do work in the city, you you, are, you don't have that that sort of tangible sort of access to all of these you, things like 
that's the difference for me. You can just be in in the city. Yeah, it comes, but it, it comes in a box. Yeah. In in the country, it comes with the supplier. Mm. You know what I mean? And then they're just showing up, and their kids are running through the restaurant mm. and giving you stuff and things like that. So it's, it just seems more real, and you're just more you're just more connected to it. And and because you know the person, I know that that pe- like I know that the father of that pig. You know what I mean? Like I know that. You know, I've helped them put out the food for that mm. pig, or I've, you know, walked in the the mud at that cheese farm or whatever, like that cheese farm, <laughs> that dairy. <laughs> That's the technical term for yeah, a dairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna use that for now. Um, <laughs> um, it's a good name for a cheese brand. Yeah, it feels like like a, like a prank you could play on these city chefs and be like, you're back at a cheese farm. And so, where do you think you came from? <laughs> yeah, so I guess I guess that's for me that's the difference. The, the people they have you have a connection with with that product, and mm. you know, everyone uses that. It's a bit of a throwaway line connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This. Mm. But that's at the end of the day. Like if if you know the person. And it's like you grew up sort of doing it yourself or growing it or producing it. And it's like, that's the next best thing. Mm. You know, you know they're going to come in for dinner and how's it going and try their stuff and they want to see you sort of championing their product. Then you're just going to have them. You know their kids and you know where they live and you're visiting them all the time. And you're just going to offer them that bit more respect and mm. want to do that, that product justice. It does definitely create that. Hey, like, oh, it's what impresses me about Erica and Hayden's operation. Like, they come from Hartley and do their rounds in the city and they'll like supply us I'll order like I don't know 200 by letter onions and then they've got key by the oral is it like keys ordering like two and a half thousand probably yeah, yeah. Like, and, but they still supply me you yeah. know what I mean like and they go they deliver to they do their rounds in the city and they're the ones walking into like, mm. key Benalong I think they supply automata and a few other you know, high profile restaurants. Um, but they're like Eric is the one walking with the yeah, makes a difference. Do, so does. then like, how do you then, because like, like we use the word connection as sometimes a bit of a throwaway line, but when it comes to educating staff and in particular, you know, junior staff or apprentices and things like that, getting them onto farms and getting them connected to producers is really important for the development. How do you, like, are you able to do that in the city? Oh, you are. It's just, it's not a daily thing. It's yeah. just a bit more scheduled. So we, yep. we go down to like the Oyster Farms in Naruma or, you know, like I said, Pakora or whatever it is, anything like that. Um, it's just, just takes more planning. Yeah. That's all. Okay. It just takes, which is probably a good thing because it means more effort. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's, when you're working in, in the country or in regional areas, it's, it's easy to do it like just because it's there. Mm. So you have to have to think about it and just plan it. That's all. It's, um, you know, but obviously, you know, big, big places, there's not everyone that works in our industry is, is that sort of passionate. And you know what I mean? Like it's like any industry. So mm. you just handpick the right people to take ones that are going to be going to get the most out of it. And, um, yeah, but it's cool. That in the it's cool too, though. That like, you know, despite the fact that you guys are such a big operation, there's different personalities and people are interested at different levels. That there's still time made for that sort of thing. Mm. Because I think that, and and we've kind of talked about it a little bit before as well. Like in a place that's so busy, and in particular the hospitality industry, 
making the time to do something like that can fall by the wayside yeah. a lot of the time. It's yeah, it's an investment that, that bears a lot of fruit, mm-hmm. like, down the road. I think so, the, yeah, biota cool. com- the biota conversation is a cool one, like, to listen to you, what you had to say about it, Joel. Like, the young chefs these days, creating that more holistic approach from the kitchen out to the restaurant, real, like, these guys realising that they're not just behind closed doors and just cooking. Like, mm-hmm. they get to meet like producers as well as like you know we'll run food sometimes at the restaurant just because the guys might be busy like what's the difference like we know more about the food we can do we can Mm. deliver it just as well and they interact with the guests and realize like there's more to the whole dining experience than Mm. them just being in the kitchen prep service clean home like it's going to create better chefs and it all kind of runs down the line Mm. but it must be the guests like it too like they love it like if you go into the oh, dining room, they yeah. just yeah, you can't get back in the kitchen. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's got but, fucking. Nice. You know, it's kind of sometimes it, you oh. can sometimes you can be oh, a bit. Uh, you know, it's not intimidating to go out there at all, but it's just you know you're busy or have a bit of time or or whatever. And at the, it's always like the first one you do is always kind of a bit not nerve wracking, but once you go out there, you kind of don't want to go back in. Yeah, because you know? like everyone's having talking, such a good time out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want everyone to enjoy what you what you're doing. Yeah. And then once you just start getting, you know, good feedback and you realise they're just they're just people out there that are coming to enjoy what you do, then and they love it. It makes you want to go out more. So mm. that's what's the most important thing for us by having connections with our producers and mm. getting out and chefs picking and foraging things is when you tell a customer that, they fucking love it. Yeah. Like they really love that connection. Or even if it's just like, Oh, these eggs are from down there, I'm like, Oh my god, I know that place. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty it's local. funny, you don't like, realise yeah. it until you actually go out and yeah. talk to the customers. Like yeah, I don't know, when I came up, like you were just in the kitchen, like it wasn't even Well yeah, yeah, yeah. Chef, chef was, in the dining room. Yeah, wow, yeah. like you know, mm. it just wasn't even a thing. I mean yeah. I'm working in a closed kitchen at the moment. This is the first time I've worked in it, so I can't see that I can't remember the last time I worked yeah. in, yeah, in a right. closed kitchen. Like just Yeah, this is your kitchen here is closed and yeah. it's quite it's quite rare these days. The it is don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I quite I do prefer an open kitchen. But um more so because I like to see the diners and like you watch them and you'd be watching them even at the gantry and you'd always be watching the food go and you watch the first mouthful and it would be it was like the nod was good the head to the side was kind of okay (laughs) and the shape was kind of you'd just be you'd be be waiting for one of those three cues and then you're like oh yeah okay it's quite cool how good's the nod like it I obviously can't yeah. say it over the microphone, yeah. but they yeah. the mouthful. The worried look when they oh, see the creepy yeah, chef been, on three three doubles. Just all yeah. Yeah. Just staring at you. Yeah. Sleeves rolled up. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, not, it's nice being able to see the diners. Like, we, we can see a few tables, but, like, mm. even the little things, it's like, oh, uh, has Jen done table eight pet? Like, is she? No, oh, yeah. She's pouring the wines, boys. So like, go yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I'd love to be able to see everyone. Yeah. That's what I really liked, and that's what I took out of you know, like not to use Biota as an example, but it was the most obvious one I can think of. And like, it was really, they were really close to the diners and it just made you see other things like besides what you, your everyday, which was just in the kitchen. And it'd be like, you know, you just see little things and you just like the little cues from diners, whether, you know, they've got, they need their hat taken, they need their water's done. Napkins on the floor. Yeah. People That's at the so door. True, and it just, and it just, bathroom. in the end, you, it makes you be sort of, think like 
a restaurateur rather than just a chef. Mm. And you can just, that's how you, you kind of learn a bit. Because it's like you say, you're not just in a box, just following a recipe and it makes you, you know, you could be cooking, in that case, you could be cooking, the restaurant could be totally empty and you're just putting out dishes to an empty room. But when you know that you can see the people there. It puts a face on them, I think. And, yeah. you, and you actually, you, you could easily, if you're going to open up, it could be a downstairs kitchen, the yeah. dining room could be somewhere else, and you're just sending food out, and mm. you kind of no responsibility after mm. that. I think, like, with everyone knowing that, like, there are customers eating it, there are paying customers there, they're either enjoying or not enjoying it, that puts a little bit more pressure and a kind of little bit more uh, edge mm. to make sure every little thing is right. Mm. The little things, that's, and because you, you can see the dialogue, like you say, like, yeah. uh, do they need water? Like, why have we got two tables sitting this close to one another when we've only got this many books tonight? Like, why, mm. like all those little things that. Yeah. It's for me owning the restaurant, like I can yeah. see, yeah. makes such a difference. Mm. Cool. Um, all right, one more thing about regional and city uh, restaurants. You got how do you guys go here in general? I'll talk to you two, and we'll go to Joel. Um, staffing, like, is it an issue? Like for most restaurateurs that I've talked to in regional areas, but like in particular, like sort of further down the south coast and some in the southern highlands. It's just bloody hard to get lifers, professional hospitality, like hospitality professionals. That's, like, you guys struggle yeah. here or in general? I think, oh, you I think yeah, we've got the same, same, same thing. Front of house is probably hard. It's like, lucky with both of our teams, quite small. So we have a very low staff turnover. So we're not can always hiring. So restaurants like, we're always looking for chefs, we're always looking for the front. Like, we can have a basically a set team for almost a year sometimes, mm. and that's really nice. Like to have resumes and trials and all the time, um, and then with us, there's only we have a casual and a full time chef, so that's not hard to fill and try and find someone good. Uh, mm-hmm. Front of house is the tough one, especially here when you're you're quiet throughout the week, and then you might be you might you might be doing ten ten, and then twenty, and then fifty fifty. So you need to have enough staff to do fifty plus. But then you can only offer them one night a week or two nights a week. So then you obviously have to have uni students with supplementary income for them. Mm. And then this isn't their main gig. They're not you know, as you know, as qualified or as trained. And, and I think that's that's the toughest one. Um, and it makes it like you have to be pretty tight with your staff. And then try and make sure you are offering things that, that you know, whether it's whether it's either wage package or fucking paying them properly. It's a good start, mm. <laughs> or whatever it is, or, or you know, finding people who are going to be engaged and be like, oh yeah, we do just go up to a farm, we we'll do stuff, and people sort of think that's cool. So you have to kind of offer those little uh, little extras, maybe the other restaurants around here wouldn't do to try and get the better staff from the small pool of uni students who might be up to the task. Mm. Andy, same for you. Oh, it's, yeah, for us, like um, we've had the most trouble finding like hospo lifers for front of house. Like I want. Yeah, we'd love someone like around my age or even a bit younger, like 30 even, that this is what they've always done and this is what they want to do. Um, and that that's pretty hard in a sort of, I guess, uni town as well. And it's just like Simon says, like creating that consistency in service and being able to get these guys, like if you've got young guys trying to understand our wine and our, you know, like we know so many of the guys putting wine in these bottles and that's really important to me and like we've you know I want them to know the names of our farmers and yeah. where their farms are and like it's a lot to ask the wine thing's we're, hard we're really lucky with our young guys like one of our young that's guys the at the thing. moment he's like just studying our wine list and he's like tw- he's 22 and doing law mm. like but he just yeah. he loves it he, yeah. loves it he loves eating out and so we're lucky with our guys like that but we 
I'm sure it's exactly the same as Kabo. It's not the same as sort of going and um, like doing a section at a cafe. Like it's pretty, you know. Of course. They know what poached eggs and bacon and avocado and toast and stuff is. But like, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, our expectations of them are a lot higher in our training. Like we have wine training and like you're trying to make it fun. But getting people that really want to do that um, is hard. And yeah, again, I think the hardest bit is, is that kind of person that's a bit older um, that wants to really be a part of the restaurant and um, we try to create positions for it but people you just don't get the applicants yeah. like what, what we need is I guess more people that worked in good places in Sydney kind of making the move yeah. down here I think um, you're seeing that. a bit of that and like I've heard a bit of that going on in the Southern Highlands as well yeah. it's like people who have gone to Sydney and have, and have worked in high level hospitality and are now returning to the to the to the country or to the coast with a family and, and, yeah. and that sort of thing to kind of slow down a bit and, and the diamonds in the rough or like needles in a haystack, but you like the good when you find yeah, <laughs> you hit yeah. us up. We had one guy <clears throat> in front of house moved out from Sydney because um, he was in a band or something, um, and then we we sort of gave him gave him like two nights a week, and then he's doing like one or two nights up in some wine bars up in Sydney. And then he was just making so much more money doing like a Sunday shift up there. He's like, fuck, I'm going back to Sydney. Oh, it's just... It's Felix. Oh, uh, and yeah, we had Toby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby's back yellow now. Yeah, so it's just like, uh, okay, see you later, boys. Chef's is, chef's is a little bit different. For, like, I'm, we got Louis. Louis back mm. now and Brado back, two guys that have like worked. Mm. Like, Louis worked for me 10 years ago when he was the first year and then he was in um, Copenhagen for a couple of years or yeah, two years, I think. I worked at a couple of Michelin, like, side places over there. Um, and then he came back. He was at Biota for a while, came back to us, then moved to New Zealand. So now he's come back and mm. committed to X amount of time. So yeah. that's that's a big help for me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and yeah. we've moved from, like, now I have two chefs, like, two sort of very qualified chefs. And we'll put, like, we've got one guy leaving, but we'll put another a second year on. But that's about, like... As far as apprentices, we can really only have one one in the kitchen now. Mm. Like it's too hard otherwise. So Joel, you like you would have said, you would have experienced sort of regional staffing in Biota, and it probably is different to the Illawarra. But um, what's it like now at Aria? I'm just going to assume that it's a place with a name like it does. Like you attract good staff. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, Bastard. <laughs> and like <laughs> just shit tons of them. Like, yeah, right. I can send you some CVs. Yeah. <laughs> CVs that you've rejected. <laughs> like, no, no, it's not that. It's, no, I mean, we'll, we'll it doesn't, it. I don't matter. Like, we, we're we just always on the lookout for good stuff. Like, it doesn't okay, matter right. whether you have a position or not. If the right person comes along, sometimes you've got to make a position. Mm. And it doesn't mean you, you blow your wage cost or anything. It just means, you know, obviously always in the city, though, probably that you don't have so much down here or in any regional area is that there's a lot of visas. So there's a lot of student visas, six months. Oh, yeah. student, uh, working holiday. Working holiday is the most common, which is six months, and student is like 20 hours. We don't put 20 hours on because just you can't expect someone to invest in a place yeah. for 20 hours yeah. a week, really. Um, um, so there's working holidays are six-month ones, and, and they're really good, and sometimes you don't want them more than six months, you know, not because they're not nice people or they're not skilled. It's just because, well, you know what, in six months we're not going to be that busy. Mm. You know, we're busy now. Mm. So we, we almost want to say, yeah, we just need you for this period. Um, but yeah, we do. Like if I put an ad up saying, 
whatever come come to aria as chefs chefs needed and i usually just don't say what level i just and then you get a wider pool mm-hmm. and um you can choose, I guess. Yeah, if you say CDP, then you're only going to get CDPs. Mm, well, yeah. Commies that want to yeah. be CDPs. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but we get a lot. Like, um, we get a lot of not very good ones too, but we get a lot of high quality ones. Sometimes we, we have so many you can't, um, it's not the same as us. They're obviously applying to other places as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. But it's just chefs in Sydney now there's a chef shortage you know of quality chefs mm. so they can pick and choose like mm. we have guys that come in and you know they come in and they got nuts CVs like good much better than my CV you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like there's chef to party or whatever and I like to look like dark and I like to hear yeah. like do you find that actually that does that because I always think there's a lot of people just just literally workplaces to CV build oh, it's like I just want this on yeah. there down there they might have been six uh, weeks on fucking yeah. broad bean section we call them collectors yeah <laughs> they don't ever really want to be a chef they just yeah. want to have a cool CV and um, and that means nothing like we put a guy on we had two guys trial this week and one of them this CV just read like stunning like mm. and it was and it was good amounts of time it was like two years two years two years two. it wasn't like you know, yeah. nine months picking lettuce out of the back. <laughs> yeah. And we put him in and uh, put him on for a trial. And um, I went and spoke to him. And in the first 30 seconds, I just went to my sous chef and said, yeah. I'm not having to work with this guy every day. I just cannot work with him. Like, you know, you just, you just know. You need yeah. that. Like, I'm looking for the right people, not the right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so, such a dip of people, like especially it's, it's it's smaller things like it that. It has to be. I'd rather I can I can train someone to cook. I, I can't train someone to not be a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like <laughs> that's that's the reality of it. Yep. So um, is, and is we it, put some, we put some, and then another guy came the next day had a six CV, awesome, awesome as well. Not as Lardy Dar as the one before, but a couple of two stars on there. That's not good. But um, <laughs> um, just in comparison to the other one, and you know, he's just a normal person. Mm. And, and I said, just just be normal. Like, yeah. just come in, <laughs> just be a normal person. Just be normal. It goes a long way. Come in, come in on time. <laughs> yeah, be keen. Come in on time. Have some initiative. You know, don't pull your pants clean. down at the first post work beers. Yeah, and just <laughs> yeah, that's all you want. And just be want people that are passionate and driven, and, and all of that stuff too. But. First and foremost, you've got to want to come to work every day. You don't look at the roster and think, oh, that twat's on today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if they're coming in at a fairly sort of seniorish role. Yeah. You know, like if they're just coming in to pick lettuce, then whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, we, we do have a lot to choose from. But then again, there's a lot of good restaurants in Sydney. Yeah, right. So it's, it's not uncommon. They'll say, yeah, I've just done a trial at Battalong and Key and tomorrow I'm over at whatever, Monopole and Cirrus and you kind of, if they're really good, you're shitting yourself because you think yes, they're not there. Yeah. You know, they're going to go there or whatever, but, you know, Arias and Solitel is is a good company to work for. It pays well. The hours in Sydney are not excruciating mm-hmm. like they used to be. No scandals yet either. No, no, we're waiting so for them. has <laughs> 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 got the moment. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we just, um, but you know, we, yeah, like my, my chefs, they work one double a week. Nice. And uh, four singles. 
and the senior chefs do a little bit more, but, but it's very much still very high quality, but trying to get a bit of lifestyle in there because you just can't, you need to retain staff. You retain staff, you get consistency, and then you can have consistent quality. But if you just got, you know, they're just going in and out, revolving door, then... It makes your job harder, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you just got to keep training these guys over and over, Constantly and it's like people. every day is their first day. Mm. You know what I mean? How is it having that, having a big team and having that structure in place where people could probably fit in a little bit smoother, a little bit easier? Or is that is that the case? Yeah, so where, then, so if you've obviously got someone in charge of this section and they've got yeah. two commas behind them, so if you're hiring a lower level, you know they can they can slip in. They've already got yeah. Well, that's just, and the, yeah, it's good because we do have say we got. Say we got thirty chefs, whatever, and we have like, you know, pastry, cold, like larder, hot entrees, sauce, fish, sides, whatever. So there's six sections. There's always, like, just always seems to be two or three. Say there's five in each section across the board. We always have like two solid. We have no casuals. They're all. Mm. Everyone's pretty senior there, to be honest. Mm. We That's don't even. We have, we have no premises. Um, most of the people there are chef to parties and um, so whenever we get someone in even if they are a bit higher like like, well they've got an amazing background and you know they, they might come in and get trained by someone that has just been there for longer so there's, there's always stability I've never in the year that I've been there I've never sort of freaked out and thought yeah. we're in the weeds we're right the shit. Yeah. <laughs> if anything like at the moment I'm like I just messaged the guys I'm lying in bed this morning and I'm just thinking about the wage costs and I'm like we need like have we got too many we've got one too many at the moment but so you're always thinking about ways to manage it because um, it is a bit quiet at the moment we're still you know, feeling the effects after Easter a little bit and um, you know, that's just part of part of the mm. job Mm. I know for us, we're, we're about to, we're looking for a new chef now for next month, and that's basically one you know, one third of our kitchen on most nights, yeah. a quarter on some nights. So that, that, that makes a massive difference. So I know if we get a new chef in, I'm just going to have to work yeah. twice as hard during service, during prep, to get them up to scratch because they're going to be on the, on the veg and garnish section next yeah. to me on me. Um, so that, that's always the worry with, with us down here and it's smaller teams, is that it's such an integral part, mm. one person. They, they are kind of big cog to it. So it doesn't mean I'm gonna be in a shift. Yeah, lot. yeah. I guess that's that's a good way to say it. Like for us, like they can slip in, and we just say for the first two weeks, you're just gonna work on me. Like depending on their skill level already, like this new guy that's starting, like he's got a great background, he's worked at Bentley on the meat and everything. So, like we just say, bang, you're on meat for three months, and you know, Jay or whoever's on there who's been there for four years is gonna teach what teach her. Keep on it. <laughs> and um. Yeah, we didn't we expect it in a week, like he'll, he'll be all over it. Mm. You know? So, cool. it's, but we always have, there's always enough people to, we're never going to throw it. It's not in our interest to see them fail. We want, we want them yeah. to succeed. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Um, cool. But that's the, that's the difference in it. So, I mean, like, we've got, if we have two people on the floor that want the same night off, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. yeah. Gonna, you're going to have to fight over it because yeah. we can't have, like, yeah. we've got five on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I think that, that's the big difference. I know is you know Sydney and you know regional is the front of house the front of house Ari is absolutely spectacular mm -hmm. like they're all just so knowledgeable so well trained yeah. it's so smooth it's quite intimidating it's intimidating <laughs> yeah. for me you go to do briefing at Aria and you know it's Around. like it's like an auditorium like there's mm. sometimes yeah. there's sometimes there's 45 people there yeah <laughs> and there's like seven songs four managers yeah. and 
25 floor staff and they're all just sitting there and like it's really it's very impressive like mm. you know I've worked in good places before but good at another sort of a level like Wired or like it wasn't just that it was just like a little huddle before service or yeah. you know, just talking out of the past to the guys and but this is like you? just yeah. guys all standing you've got there their note, notepads how out how was the uh, first yeah. one that was the first briefing you did <laughs> I don't remember. Who are all these people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not a a great sort of speaker at the best times, but you know, they're very. Yeah, they are very. Like, they they're all careerists. Mm. That's the difference. Um, Mm. You just can't work at that level and not be. Yeah. Um, So, you know, they're getting grilled. Like, I'm sitting there thinking, what the fuck? Like, the the managers are going, who can tell me what the plant is on that table? And there's four different plants on like four little. Jesus. Uh, some sort of, you know, South African something. And I'm like, what? Not wrong. I'm glad, I'm glad they're not <laughs> asking me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling them specials and what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope they don't ask me a question I don't know yet. But, um, yeah, no, look, it's really good. But like I said, it's, you know, that doesn't have to come overnight. It's 20 years of mm. cherry picking the right people that have, you know, that have all worked in the best places around the world and in the country. And, um, and that actually love what they're doing and you know these are you know even at the, in the office at, after work on after a Saturday night at bloody one thirty in the morning like all the songs are down there and they've got all the wines and they're quizzing doing blind quizzings Jesus on each other like, tell me what this is and I'm just like so do you have a life that's it that's the life right there yeah it's just like yeah the thing hey about this is your life yeah like mm. and they they just love it so much yeah. you know and it's um but that's how they that's why they're in, in the positions that they're in yeah that's really cool um we're almost there one last question um might be an annoying question to answer but with sort of moving to a place like aria and the, and sort of the nature of food media at the moment like mm. there's and nature of social media it's like everyone's got an instagram account no matter what chef you are and that's where people go uh, and then with a move to Aria, like obviously your public profile increases and there might be like an expect, obviously an expectation where people come to Aria as a place. Mm. But, you know, the media want to, they want to be involved with high profile chefs working at the best places in Australia and stuff like that. And like you said before, you're not necessarily like a person that wants to be, you know, front and center. There are some chefs that are and yeah. good luck to them. People have their different motivations for different things. But what's it like being the head chef at Aria and, um, and you know, has that affected you and, and how do you, how do you sort of deal with that increase in sort of public profile? Um, I don't know because I don't, I don't really feel any different and I don't, yeah, okay. I don't even feel like I'm perceived differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like uh, to me, I'm just still job for that works at the gantry and like I, I don't really, I don't really have a huge profile. Like, well, out, if you don't actively like, pursue it, I can see how see yeah, what you mean. Like obviously, people, it's it's from the outside in. It's very hard to to sort of gauge yeah. because like I just show up at work every day and Some do my do job. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not like there's sort of they're, they're, I'm not really. Yeah, I think a lot of people know that I'm the head chef at, at Aria, but. I, because I don't have that sort of persona, I'm not constantly being sort of hounded for things, which yeah. is good because, like, we, you know, we, we seek, we want, yes, we want exposure, but 
you don't want you know there's you know everyone says that all publicity is good publicity i don't think that's necessarily the case <laughs> you know you, you certainly don't want to i think you know your brand can be sort of cheapened sometimes if you're just kind of doing everything or you're just yeah. sort of pouring yourself out just for whatever reason like you know we try and try and be fairly selective we've, we've got a good marketing sort of company that try and you know slot you into the right right sort of things and stay in in um in line with, with with the brand and but but my brand also like you know there's the matt moran brand there's aria brand but there's also my brand so like when like when i'm doing my you, you look on my so my social media like instagram it's mm. as advanced as i get <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you you very like yes it says job we put aria but i'm not it's it's that's my sort of CV, essentially. That's, yeah, yeah. That's the way I look at it. And it's my my sort of story in that. So it's like, I don't really try and affiliate myself with anywhere I work in, in that kind of, when I worked at the gantry, there wasn't big gantry signs or I never took it to that sort of, you know, sort of level. Like it was always just kind of, this is my product. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, I always try and keep it very... Well, it's interesting because it, it, I guess it is what you make it and it is, you know, what you're, what you're willing to, like, what you're willing to do. Because, I mean, I mean, I'll speak candidly, but like, it does seem with the nature of social media these days that there are a shitload of head chefs out there that don't really seem to be at their restaurant very often. Um, and like, yeah. And, and uh, like, I mean, that might be a part of a broader plan or whatever it might be. And there's, and there's, you know, I'm not saying that there's no integrity in, in that. Of course there is. But um, I guess it is what you make it, like you say. Like, you just want to go to work and cook your food and do your job. Yeah. And, you, know, that, you know, that's not, that's not trying to be cliched or humble or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just, that is, that's what my job is. Like, I'm not I'm not that guy that is not a big flying around the world, <laughs> and, you know, like, doing all that stuff. Like, that, I, that, that's a requirement of my job, mm. you know. So that's what's expected yeah. of me by my employers and and <clears throat> by me frankly like mm. yes i have commitments and things i have to do whether it's internationally or domestic or festivals and all that kind of gig and mm. but all that sort of stuff but it's just like first and foremost like i show up to work every day and i pack away all the orders with the guys and then i do the butchery and all of that all of that sort of stuff and yep. um so it's, it's very much it's very normal to me like yep. it's um but I, yeah, I guess my profile. The only way I can measure it is by how many followers I have on Instagram. Like, yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, what people like, how people perceive me. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, you know, especially when I first started, there was a bit, a bit of, it was a bit of a novelty for Aria to have a not novelty that that's not the right word. I guess just a bit kind of strange, really, for Aria to have this kind of outside chef yeah it's going to be named as well because like, even like we're like who was the chef there before Joe I was like oh, yeah. I don't know because it was it kind of a bit more uh, well it was always it was still under the Matt Moran yeah. sort of banner but Matt was very sort of candid and very very honest in this one and when he made that release and we, when we did that that spread with Cowan Boys and Matt just said well, it, it is Joel's food now and it is like I'm, I'm a restaurateur now like I mean, he's always been that, but mm. he was always also the the sort of figurehead of the the brand. But now he stepped back a bit. When he made that very sort of clear, so yeah, it came. It definitely came across like objectively, like mm. sort of 
not knowing you, looking at it, definitely came across. Like I mean, I think, I, I can't say for sure now, but I think people, like I think when I put a, a dish up on Instagram or whatever, I think people know now that I'm the chef there, mm. I hope. And, um, I think people can tell. I think you've yeah. got a pretty distinctive style. Like, and yeah. it seems to be a, like looking back at Aria's previous menus and things yeah. like that, you can definitely see mm. Joel Bickford in Aria's food, which is really cool. Yeah, I hope so. Of course. Like, that's why I went there. Like, if I didn't, if I wasn't allowed to do that or I didn't think I could do that, I wouldn't have gone. Of course. And if I got there and I found out I wasn't able to do that, like, because you never truly know until you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I was, you know, speaking to my friend, chef friends and that before, I'm just thinking, I don't know, I can, yes, I can, like I said, I've, the food party is easy. It's easy to do 60 covers. Can I do it for mm, 220 yeah. on a Friday night? Like, and can I, can, you know, I don't have a, my style is very, um, kind of organic-y looking and it's not, I don't like symmetry and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very much coming from me. Like, mm. I like it just kind of dropped on the plate like this. Yeah, yeah. And trying to teach 30 other people to to do that the same every time when you don't even do it the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yourself, that can end in a lot of rage on a Saturday night. Yeah. So it's just... I know both sides of that because it's the same when I work with Pete and I'd be like, that's exactly how you told me to do it fucking last time. Yeah. And now it's shouting me and I think I do the same thing now. I'm like, no, you yeah. do it more like that because I just change my mind. That's about it, it because you constantly, from every plate, I'll do a plate and then, and it's the same. But James was the same. James was like a, at Biota was just like super creative guy and he, nothing would be good enough for him, like coming from him. Like he would do it once, it wouldn't be good enough. So the next one would be better. The next one would be better. And me and, and Nico and that, and uh, Josh would all be on the line and just be watching and elbowing each other saying that's done that's done, that's done. <laughs> and then but then by the time we got around to that plate again he would have changed it again yeah. <laughs> just, you know like you just couldn't keep up so now I see myself doing it because you're constantly trying to trying mm. to do it and you like, the kind of necessity. So you have to be in the kitchen all the time then you can't just be a mm. fucking clipboard chef or yeah. be off doing all different media appearances like yeah. it, it just, you have to be in the kitchen because you want to be in the kitchen because it's your food, it's your dishes, it's your name. Until it, and until it is yours, like you don't understand that. Mm. You can work, I don't care where you work, whether it's at the cafe or it's for buddy Raymond Blanc, like you, until it's yours, I'm not saying I own Aria, but until people identify you with that plate, you, you never truly understand how important that plate is and it's just, it can't be mechanical, it can't be, Right, there's six components that there's just bang bang. As long as, they get, as long as they're on there, that's all we need to worry about. In every dish you need to, yeah, you know, and it's hard to. Yeah, produce you know. doesn't come in the same shape and size as well. Like like fucking yeah, barramundi dish you got at the moment, and unless you, as it cut along, it's different shapes mm. and sizes. So that means the plate is gonna just yeah. be tweaked properly. And I know like yeah. like chef can do it perfectly well, realistically. <laughs> but if I'm not there to do that little last little little bit, little spruce up to it. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite feel right. That's why I'm kind of like I just always want to be in the yeah, kitchen. No, yeah. <laughs> cool, um, guys. Anything else for Joel from you two? Should we leave it there? No, let's let, let's let the guy go. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get him out of here. All right, no <laughs> worries. Thanks, Joel. Um, if you guys, if anyone listening wants to get past episodes and stuff, uh, you can get this at quicksandfood.com slash podcast or search quicksandfood wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to send us an email, we love feedback. Info at quicksandfood.com. Follow Quicksand Food on social media. Follow 
Kavo, babyface on social media. Joel, what's your Instagram? Joel Bigford Aria. Joel Bigford. Joel Bigford. Chef Joel Bigford. Chef Joel Bigford. Yeah. Cool. Follow Joel. Um, That'll do us. Thanks. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. Cool. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 